I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Good afternoon. Batman, tell me about him. <laughs> <laughs> need to know. need to know about this stuff. No time for pleasantries. <laughs> okay. <laughs> tell me about Batman. That took me a little bit by surprise. <laughs> Um, I was just reading a story a couple of minutes ago on birthmoviesdeath.com and they've got some details on the Batman. So when one of the new um, titling conventions for movies is just to decide whether to put a definite article on it. Sure. After The Incredibles, the sequel was just called Incredibles 2. Um, and uh, with Batman, we've already had a number of films giving him different you know, kinds of monikers and stuff. Now he's just the Batman. Yeah. And maybe the next one will be like with Bat and Man as like two separate words. So it's like the Batman. The Batman. Do maybe the hyphenate Batman. it like they do with Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, that will be about a dance, the Batman. Um, anyway, so Matt Reeves has been talking to Slash Film and giving some little details about this movie. Obviously, this is part of uh, DC's general effort to reorient themselves and uh, deal with you know the various difficulties they're having organizing their slate after having produced only some of the worst films in the last 10 years. <laughs> And pretty much nothing else. So Ben Affleck, who played uh, Batman in the uh, uh, Justice League film and Batman v Superman, it's kind of up in the air whether he will turn or not. He hasn't said he definitely won't. Matt Reeves comments uh, when asked about Ben Affleck, he just said, there are ways in which all of this connects to the DC universe. We're one of many pieces, so I don't want to comment on that, except I'm focused very specifically on this aspect of the DC world. Okay, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, But he has referred to the Bat-universe, so maybe within the DC universe, there's another universe. It's like the end of Men in Black, when it turns out there's loads of universes inside marbles or whatever. Yeah. It's like that. It's inside the DC universe, there's another universe, and that is the Bat, the Bat universe. universe. <laughs> With perhaps a different actor playing Batman. Um, but anyway, this sort of the most like interesting thing is he's sort of talked a little bit about the um, tone of this new movie. Um, there were some reports that it would be based on Frank Miller's comic book, uh, Year One, which is quite a well-known Batman story. And he said he's not doing a straight adaptation of Year One. He just says we're focusing on a tale that is defining for him and very personal to him. We're not doing an origin tale or anything like that. We're doing a story that is definitively Batman, though, and trying to tell a story that's emotional. And yet it's really about him being the world's greatest detective. And he's kind of emphasizing this detective aspect of his character saying that it will be a point-of-view, noir-driven Batman story in which he is investigating a particular case and that takes us out into the world of Gotham. Wow. So, I mean, it's not the richest um, of meals. But it is the This Batman. interview. <laughs> uh, you know, that's full of, like, uh, loads of deets. 
However, a sort of noir detective story, but it's Batman, you know, why not? At least it's a little bit different to what's come before. It's better than just like gloomy, I'm going to brand you and send you to prison to be killed, you know, Batman or whatever. Sure. And I guess that's maybe, well, one of the many problems with the DC Universe so far is that they're totally quite similar. They're all just sort of ended in explosions. And yeah. Whereas the Marvel thing is at least superficially to try and do different genres-ish. Yeah, like the the, the heist movie one. The, yeah. Yeah. So why not? Why indeed? not? This isn't dark. This is noir. That's a totally different thing. Completely different thing. Completely different thing. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty much all we know about that. Just a little bit of extra details. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Drinking killer croc will be in it. I, I certainly hope Suicide so. Suicide Squad, isn't he? Yes, he was in Suicide right, Squad. I sort of like in my head I was like, "What's the stupidest Batman thing?" Like, oh, they've already brought it to the screen. <laughs> yeah, Captain Boomerang, he's already in it. Yeah. Slip, Slipknot, the guy who can climb anything. I mean, he did. He died in a different film, but this is the Bat Universe, so maybe they can bring him he in. He's also well. like a rapist, apparently, but that was never. That was not mentioned. What you mean? The character was a rapist. Yeah. Really? I, yeah, I read like some sort of uh, background, you know. You mean, is that in the comics piece? or is that like yeah. how he was supposed to be presented in the movie? Yeah, he's literally the bedroom intruder. He's <laughs> climbing in your windows, setting <laughs> your people up. <laughs> hide, your, hide your kids, hide your wife. <laughs> and hide your husband because he's raping everybody <laughs> up there. <laughs> you have yeah. to come and confess. They're looking for you. They're going to find you. Didn't realize that song was about uh, the character of Slipknot. <laughs> Brilliant. Hey, do you have any kind of does it does it make you excited at all? I mean the birth movies deaf people seem excited about this. The Matt Reeves, the Batman film. I'm not like that big a Batman fan to begin with. Mm-hmm. There's a movie Bit. every like four or five years. Yeah. Some of them were good, some of them weren't. I don't think he's that compelling a character. He's just too much brooding about, you know? I like a bit of humor with my heroes. I hope he spends a good amount of time as uh, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. That's the fun stuff when yeah, he's just yeah, being exactly. a sort of uh, the shit eating grin and the generally being an asshole playboy. It's a cover up for being an asshole vigilante. <laughs> anyway, why am I here? I mean, you've already answered my Batman questions. <laughs> Uh, you can ask I, me whatever you want, man. I'm, I'm still here, here, and I just don't know, don't know why we're here. Why is there microphones? What's going on? What is it? What is? What are we doing here? What's going on? Let me explain it to you. Film Chat's a podcast all about a <laughs> doll manufacturing company called Dolls Inc., owned and operated by the seemingly kindly Mister Franz. At uh, the start of the podcast, a brownie troop tours the factory and sees a number of very lifelike dolls stored in glass canisters locked in a display case on the wall. These are part of Mister Franz's special collection. Danny Moran answers a newspaper advertisement for a secretary as Franz's previous one has mysteriously vanished. And although Danny is concerned about Mr. Franz's obsession with the dolls, she reluctantly agrees to take the job. And traveling salesman Sam Foster comes to the office and he and Danny soon develop a relationship. After working at the doll factory for several weeks, Sam asks Danny to marry him and persuades her to quit her job, promising to break the news to Franz. That is a whirlwind romance. The next day, however, Franz informs Danny that Sam has returned home to take care of business and advises her to forget him. She sees a new doll that just looks just like Sam. Frightened. It's creepy, isn't it? What? Frightened, she goes to the police, claiming that Franz has somehow shrunk Sam. But Sergeant Patterson is skeptical. He investigates, but Franz convinces him that the dolls are just dolls. When Franz finds that Danny plans to quit, he locks Danny in his lab. It is revealed that Mr. Franz has developed a machine which can shrink people down to a sixth of their original size. 
He uses it on anyone who tries to leave him. The dolls in the glass case are actually their former friends stored in suspended animation. He's also invented that, but for the dolls. And Danny becomes his latest victim. So what I would be saying if this was a adaptation of the film Attack of the Puppet People, which came out in 1958. Uh, I found that by Googling films about shrinking. <laughs> cool. Um, instead, this is just a podcast where we talk about movies and stuff. I'm Sam Foster, and joining me is Danny Moran. He's a guy who just doesn't want to fucking get shrunk to become a doll. <laughs> don't, 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 don't let me down. Don't want that. <laughs> Sam, uh, you probably noticed that I seem a bit, uh, a bit restless. Somewhat uh, impatient, fidgety. In fact, you could say I'm kind of antsy. And I'm also a little, a little petulant, yeah. irritable, easy to annoy. In fact, you could describe me as waspish. <laughs> so to recap, I would currently describe myself as antsy and waspish. Uh-huh. Now let me just check my notes here to see what film we're reviewing. We're reviewing Ant-Man and the Wasp! Amazing. How appropriate, given my mood. You'd be reviewing that. Plus, we will be looking at the news story about how Ben Affleck and Matt Damon have monopolized the market in films based on monopoly scams. And the news that Hillary Clinton has somehow reached a staggering new level of lack of self-awareness. I mean, the woman is insane. <laughs> All of which should give me just enough time to talk about my latest viral internet campaign called Rehire James Gunn to Remake the Last Jedi and Release the Zack Snyder Cut of Justice League. We get Disney to get Gunn to remake The Last Jedi. He's free now, right? He's got a lot of time on his hands. He's not making that move anymore. And Guardians of the Galaxy is basically Star Wars-ish. They remake uh, The Last Jedi, and then they trade it with Warner Brothers for the Snyder Cut of Justice League. That's All the gen- fans that's are happy. Genius. I've solved it. Great. Perfect. You're welcome. Good job. Finally, the fans can relax. You're welcome, trolls. You're welcome, fanboys. <laughs> I'm like the Ferris Bueller of the internet. The trolls, the weirdos, the jogs. Yeah. The, the bloods, the, bloods, the, the uh, dickheads, the bronies. Yeah. They, all, they all love me. They all think you're a righteous dude. I'm a righteous dude. Films, 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 lots of films, 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 films. He's good films, bad films, fun films, sad films, films we love, weird films, Lars von Trier films, old films, new films, some John Woo films, films that star got a message from listener olivia wearing this week she says do either of you own a sledgehammer um i don't i don't no No. (laughs) you don't have one no and my dad might but i personally don't well i thought perhaps my dad has a sledgehammer yeah dad's that's the sort of thing a dad would own i think yeah not not at our age i think so what have i got the sledgehammer no cause for it what what does she have the sledgehammer I don't know. I don't think we should speculate, really. It's just a, you know, it's just a reasonable question. Sorry about the background siren noise, by the way. We are recording with windows open. It would be totally inhumane, probably against some labor laws to uh, close the windows in this yeah. weather. It is sweltering. Um, what's the, the key? What's we... the key usage of a sledgehammer? Like, you want to hammer in a pole or something like that? Put a stake in, so. stake in the ground. Stake in the ground. Case she's setting up a, Maybe she's setting up a big marquee. Sure. Um doing some construction work. Do you rent a flat? I mean, 
uh, yeah, but maybe she's helping a friend out and needs some construction that's done. But she doesn't have a sledgehammer. We should reply and ask what she needs it for. I did ask that, but we haven't, we haven't got a response to that question yet. Okay. Well, look. Um, join us next week. <laughs> next week we'll <laughs> follow that story up. I might have got a sledgehammer by that time. You never know. I'm not planning to buy one, but never. life takes you in to unexpected weeks, places, doesn't it? A week's a long time in life. Yeah, so a week is a long time, full stop. Uh, so, yeah, going to follow up on that. Right. Moving on. Moving on. Superhero films announced. Casting rumors leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated. Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped. Matt Damon's in a viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint. That's the news that's fit to print. Danny, Ben Affleck, he may or may not be playing Batman, but what is he actually doing? He has attached himself to direct a film about the mcdonald's monopoly scam which everyone just learned about the other day because the daily beast did a long read article about it but basically in the 90s mcdonald's had this marketing campaign where there were like monopoly street signs on their food so you could like buy a big mac and you'd peel away like you know whatever the american equivalent of like old ken road is and it might say (laughs) you've won a milkshake or you've won a car or you've won a million dollars there was a few million dollar cash prizes and the fbi got a tip off that something untoward might be happening and the one guy in charge of making sure <laughs> the million dollar prizes were distributed uh turns out he was uh, corrupt and just giving it to people he knew like a network of quite poorly thought out friends and acquaintances and the whole thing uh, kind of blew up in his face in the result of an fbi operation but then weirdly, he was tried the day before 9-11, uh, 9-10, if you will. So the uh, story kind of got lost in the midst of time because obviously everything that happened that week was, uh, you know, that was a bigger news story. Yeah. So we're now, we're now revisiting it. And So the end yeah. of this movie is going to be like the post credit scene in Ant-Man <laughs> and the Wasp. Uh, yeah, it'll be like the end of uh, Remember Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's quite funny because it just shows us a sort of lack of imagination, or maybe how Hollywood works, where, like, this article comes out, and the next day there's, like, there's been a fierce bidding war, and already Ben Affleck has signed to direct it, and Matt Damon is attached to Star. Every Hollywood producer has got a pretty similar Twitter timeline by the looks of things. Yeah, exactly. The Deadpool writers, Paul Warwick and Rhett Reese, will pen the scripts. And, yeah, I mean, I guess Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, they, they started their career together, and they could both do with a, a win. You know, Ben Affleck's previous directorial effort was met with pretty lackluster reviews. I've forgotten what it's called. Um, Live by Night. Live by Night, yeah. Live by Night, you know. Remember when he made Argo and he's like, his whole career was rehabilitated and the whole world was in front of him and then they like, he was Batman, he's got this hideous like Phoenix tattoo on his back and like, yeah, very, very sad. So maybe he needs to work with his old buddy Damon again on a, you know. And also Damon is uh, sort of in the doghouse after his Me Too comments. It's true. I mean, he has sort of played a sim like the informant is a bit like sounds a bit like this movie in this sort of madcap stranger than fiction story where he's a schlubby guy. Or Suburbicon as well, isn't he? Kind of like schlubby guy who gets caught up in a mad scheme. He's like, I can not make any more Bourne movies. Fuck, go to the gym. Bring me the schlubby roles. I need a fat guy scheming film yeah, to do. Fat guy scheming. Yeah, perfect. It's going to be a comedy. It's going to be a comedy sort of bad schemer, right? Yeah, because so it's going to be like, a slick genius schema film. It's going to be a dumb scheme. Yeah, it's ridiculous they go away for it. I mean, 
the moment they investigate it's like who could possibly be doing it it's like it's the one guy in the position who could do it and it was him do you think that makes it a bit hard to turn into a story like how many twists and turns are there it yeah. was the first guy we thought of i mean i'm not excited by it because i can just see it as this sort of like low rent goodfellas-esque there'll be some montages there'll be you know it'll be like the big short or something where someone is like doing scorsese karaoke but just not very good at it and like yeah i don't know not not a film to be that excited about but would you recommend the long read the long read was excellent excellent long read i read all of it from start to finish yeah it took me a long time <laughs> but it's good cool well that's just one film to think about that's just one film it's just another film to think about everyone i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Steven Spielberg is a busy guy. He always seems to have a bunch of projects on, on the go at once. He's like speeding up as he gets increasingly old. Um, bad. <laughs> and bad. He's kind of prioritizing quantity over quality now. Um, and uh, does he actually have something oh yeah he's got another indiana jones film on the, on the jones so i think that's going to be the probably the best film of his career i think yeah. it's pretty safe to say yeah, indiana yeah. jones 5 is going to be brilliant and uh, but his most so well actually not his most recent movie the one before ready player one was uh, the post which was a um, not particularly good and sort of slightly irritating story of the uh, success of the washington post is this great liberal institution and um uh, in that movie meryl streep's character uh, Catherine graham was a kind of clinton-esque sort of character in that the movie was made very very rapidly in the wake of uh, the trump election and it was kind of seen as like pushing back at this climate of um fake news in america with this story of like great news like real news real news real men real news yeah partly anchored by a woman who kind of stands up to uh, male bigotry and just won't let it get in the way of the news and uh he made that sort of link himself explicitly in uh, interviews and stuff. And now he is actually cleaning up with the real Hillary Clinton. And they are going to bring a women's voting drama to television. It's going to be based on this book by Elaine Weiss called The Woman's Hour, The Great Fight to Win the Vote. And it's going to uh, cover the story of uh, activists who fought to get women the vote in America. Um, and apparently the author Elaine Weiss said that she was um, struck by the parallels between the women's suffrage movement and the 2016 presidential election between Clinton and Donald Trump. And then she was like, herself went on the sort of project to try to give the book to Clinton. She uh, she sort of uh, tried various routes to get into Clinton and eventually met a bookstore owner who delivered it uh, to Clinton, who apparently loved it and then wanted to get it on the TV. Um, I don't know exactly what kind of Clinton is bringing to the table in terms of television executive production, except like calling up Spielberg and saying, hey, pal, you know, what do you reckon? This sure. would be great. Um, you know, they say that Hollywood is a liberal bubble, but, you know, <laughs> how could it be? <laughs> what are they talking about? What are they talking about? Yeah, so it's a bit of an odd story. I mean, it almost, what, what? I'm sure it's a very, like, it's probably a great story, and I'm, you know, I'm glad that it's coming to television. Um, 
but uh, it does seem like a bit baiting of sections of society to literally have Clinton's name on it and have her fronting the project. Yeah, but what what are the parallels, you know? What are they indeed? <laughs> I mean, the uh, fight for women's suffrage is, you know, something to concretely, like, um, advance the position of women in society. And uh, Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign was just for, really for the main advancement of Hillary Clinton. Yeah, it's pretty clear who the winner was going to be from uh, Clinton's presidential campaign, and that's her because she would have become the president. Yeah, rather than like all women getting the vote, it does seem like a rather self-aggrandizing parallel to draw, doesn't it? But it's like they weren't with her, right? Like she didn't really win over the n- number of female voters that she should have done. Wasn't that like the big failure of her campaign, or one of the many? Yeah, I know she got two. I know she got more votes, but she yeah, but did, she, didn't, she, she didn't get enough she, to she win. She wasn't popular with women, right? That was a weird thing, like. Hillary Clinton's thing when she's not popular with anybody. Yeah, well, she's very unpopular. She's, yeah, an extremely unpopular pol- politician with everyone. I mean, both candidates were massively unpopular, which is weird, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds... I mean, my initial reaction to this story is this is will be insufferable, but who who can say, really? So I have to reserve judgment on it. Yeah, I mean, I would like it to be good. I just, I just hope that doesn't have too much of the sort of veil of history kind of like hindsight perspective on it that was what was annoying about the post it's always like nudging and winking and like hey like nowadays exactly yeah that's so if it's very like a period piece where it's like constantly like look this is bad it's like you know okay well it sounds like it's going to be like another historical drama that's intended to just make you feel good about now yeah like uh the darkest hour is you know the same kind of thing where it's just like a very very straightforward parable about you know heroism triumphing and like yeah. sort of like another another great moment yeah, in history where the right people Britain won. Britain is incredible. Churchill yeah. is all of us, <laughs> and I'm Churchill, and I defeated the Nazis. I was in World War Two. I'm with him. I'm with him. Yeah. I'm with him on the beaches, with him in the factories, <laughs> with him of the empire. No one always forgets that bit of the speech. Uh, yeah, but it looks, you know, maybe... Maybe she wasn't a great presidential candidate, but maybe she's an incredible executive producer. That's maybe, true. Then maybe that's like her real talent. Maybe that's what she's really good at: telling a great story for for television. Yeah. Maybe she'll actually be better at that than Spielberg. <laughs> maybe she's he the should greatest be, He should be the next presidential time. candidate, and Clinton should just turn her um, time to um, you know creating great entertainment. Absolutely. I mean, she has got plenty of time on her hands at the moment. I don't well, really know what she's up to. You know, a TV show personality became the president so a presidential candidate should become in tv <laughs> right yeah exactly all the actors should become politicians and all the politicians should, should become, become actors <laughs> yeah balance that out yeah that's that's social mobility isn't it yeah. that's the that's the american dream you can you can be whatever you want to be yeah exactly yeah okay i'm very excited now i think that clinton's um struggle to become the best executive producer uh in history is really reminiscent of women's fight for the vote do you reckon there'll be like a much more popular like old man producer on the show and she'll be really annoyed about <laughs> this guy. It's really getting the young interns fired up. They're doing a great job. Yeah, and, she's like... going to have to go into a boardroom full of men and like they're all like, well, you can't executive produce a television show, Hillary. You're a woman and you're also a politician, not a producer of television. And she'll be You've like... also never done this job before. <laughs> and she'll be like, I'll prove you all wrong. And yeah. then she'll do a fucking awesome job. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm inspired. They'll want her to, to like... Um, uh dilute the story you know like to turn it in like not make it as feminist or something like that she'll really dig her heels in yeah yeah great the story behind the the television drama is actually going to be fucking awesome i can't wait for that to get optioned the fictitious story is made up sounds great that sounds great (laughs) i want to see that now that's the story i'm really excited for yeah 
Yes. Simon Danny both watched a film and they decided to record a few opinions on the things they saw. You're gonna hear them in a moment or so. There could be angry disagreements, but their views are normally quite close. A joint review shared between two podcast brothers. Do they let one another speak or do they interrupt each other? The light is on, the guys are in, so let the chat begin. Stop talking now. Amen and the Wasp. I am so tired from Avengers Infinity War. That was too much. It was very dramatic and, you know, a lot of stuff happened. It was very cataclysmic. Got a lot of my palate. I need a little fun, irreverent movie there. Chill me out. Here comes Eminem and the Wasp. <laughs> so following the events of uh, Civil War, Scott Lang, played by Paul Rudd, the Ant-Man himself, is under house arrest. And Hank Pym, Michael Douglas, and his daughter, the Wasp, imagining Lily. I forget her character's name. She's called the Wasp. The Wasp. Uh, they're on the run because they're connected because they used his technology and they're on a mission to rescue uh, Hope Van Dyne Hope Van Dyne like the original The Wasp played by Michelle Pfeiffer she's in the quantum realm which uh, (laughs) Scott Lang was briefly on the end of the previous movie I hope you're following this if you're not familiar with this (laughs) franchise and so they need Scott's help to get her back there's also a mysterious woman called the ghost who can phase in and out of stuff she's like literally becomes a ghost and then solid then sort of not yeah and there's also a black marketeer man played by Walton Goggins who's after Hank Pym's tech because he can sell it to the has bidder because yeehaw I'm an evil well, son I do bidder. declare hello and what follows is a bunch of irreverent jokes small things gone big big things gone small and a lot of sort of uh, some banter, isn't some there? Bants. Uh, speaking of bants, here is a clip of some great banter between uh, the sort of main three and Scott Lang's sort of trio of former crime buddies who are now running a security firm. There's the Mexican one, the black one, and the Russian one. <laughs> Don't know their names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's Michael Pena. Michael Pena is the Lewis. sort of main guy, Luis. Yeah. 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 Wow, Doctor Pym. Like, like, who would have thought that once again, in your hour of need, that, that you would turn to us, you know? Not me. Hmm. Help yourself. Hey, what's up with the fancy pastry? We got to keep the food budget down. Well, what are we supposed to have for breakfast? The oatmeal packets. Oatmeal packets. It's insult. Why is it insult? Because it tastes like sin. You know why? It's because it's organic. No, That's it's why. not organic. It's sin. It's you the most important meal of the day. You know what? You can get creative it with it. Break teeth. I'll put a little brown sugar on it. Put some cinnamon, put a little honey. You, you, guys, no, guys, you guys, you guys, 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 come on, man. We got bigger fish to fry. Is that my desk? Yeah. What? Why do I have such a small desk? Because well, you weren't there when we were choosing desks. You snooze, you lose. Well, I was under house arrest. Yeah. You know what? This isn't even a desk. This is garbage. You found this outside amongst garbage. I got it at a rummage sale. So you save money on my desk? Guys. Hope, please. We need to focus, all right? We got to find that lab already. Jeez. Great. Great Great bands. Love love it. Well, it's pretty fun, isn't it? It's just... Yeah, I would say... Does the stuff. Yeah. It's like the first one, more of the same. And I think... I think has does enough new things just about to sort of justify its existence. They definitely but, they all sat in a in a break room, uh, tossing around ideas about what's the funnest ways for big things to become small and small things to become big. And this one has got like big things becoming small, but then it's inside those things people becoming even smaller. And you know, yeah, there's like multiple levels, there's inception levels of shrinking and growing. Yeah, I mean, it gets past a lot of charm. Paul Rudd is super charming. And I, I know Edgar Wright cast him. Great decision Great by decision original director. Still working. Because 
like he's the most boring of lines they're just like funny because he's just so he's just so nice the sort of rud mugging is at like maximum levels and he does seem like like he's good casting is like he's not a superhero actor he is like the sort of random character comedy actor who's just found himself in this big franchise movie and his he's got genuine underdog status so i think he kind of really sells that even though he's got ripped yeah he's got like unnecessarily ripped i mean his powers don't require him to look yeah you know like massively hench but he is for some reason and i think it does it kind of continues what was successful at the first movie and i think there's something funny about his mental character doesn't particularly like him and his love interest character also doesn't particularly like him <laughs> and it's like they're the competent ones he's like semi-competent and he has friends who are completely incompetent yes and kind exactly. of like three tiers of uh ability to do stuff and the way they kind of bounce off each other is quite well done and yeah yeah uh, yeah, I laughed solidly throughout. I think that, the that, dynamic, that dynamic generates the most um, enjoyable bit of plot mechanics. Because mostly it's just running about to generate the next bit of fun with things shrinking or, you know, growing. Yeah. Um, and uh, the bits where the movie is working the best, I think, is when all those sort of um, levels of relationships are popping. It is, like, slightly shonkily bolted together in some ways. There are certain elements of the movie which are you know very functional in a way that doesn't quite fizz off the screen and like scenes that go on a bit too long or that don't quite work and the original ant-man had similar elements to it and maybe it's part of that thing that where people describe marvel movies as being televisual um and this film definitely has a similar kind of a sense but i feel like there's a bit of less reason for it because it didn't have a troubled production it was just like yeah you know as far as we can tell a smooth one then it came out on schedule and uh it doesn't have it's not a particularly ambitious film i guess it's just it is kind of like doing more of the same but i think in the roster of marvel sequels it is one of the more successful ones and that it is essentially an effort to repeat what the first movie did and just slightly embellish on the original movie's successes but as you say it's like sufficiently charming that that is fine it's not like something like thor 2 or guardians of the galaxy 2 neither yeah. of which felt like they were adding anything and they just felt like completely anodyne you know and a bit sort of purposeless yeah, I think, like, the weakest part of this movie is the villain. And that feels like the most, like, well, we need one. We need a villain. And it's distracting from, like, great small things of big jokes. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> she has a bit and then, like, she gives a long monologue about what her motivations are. And then she sort of disappears from the movie, literally. And then... Well, it's very, like, back. it's very villain of the week, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. The one, the one thing I would say that I like about the villain is that it's, um... She has her own kind of, like, matter-transforming powers and uh which leads to like the fight scenes that she's involved in with the heroes um are quite brief but they're they're sort of fun you know she's phasing in and out they're growing big and small and it's like uh at least you know it's like if thing is more interesting than the classic thing of the villain is an evil version of me with the same powers as me which which we've seen a million times which was the previous movie yeah exactly that was the previous movie yeah so i thought like that was kind of enjoyable and i'm always a fan of like the the slightly spider-man-esque kind of underdog villain as well yeah yeah uh which this movie has so yeah i thought it was kind of enjoyable i would say like it is quite funny as well it was sort of built i remember hearing about um because it came out in the u.s um first so i was sort of hearing the, the the reactions to it a while ago um and it was sort of um presented as like an overtly com- like basically the closest thing to a straightforward comedy that marvel's made which yeah. is basically a comedy and I would still say it's somewhere in between like a comedy yeah, yeah. and a sort of just an action film with quips. And a lot of it is funny and a lot of the lines don't quite land. And I think there's a slight over-reliance on the kind of just totally meaningless banter where I'm just characters mugging at each other. 
Like uh, just people being like, where's my lunch? I haven't found my lunch today. Did you take my lunch? Oh, I didn't take your lunch, man. Like, what are you talking about? Like, can we not talk about the lunch, please? I think there's more important things to talk about than your lunch. There's a lot of like jokes sort of around that. <laughs> but that was good though. <laughs> <But> I'm laughing. <laughs> Well, it's working. What's your complaint? You just destroyed your own argument. <laughs> your example was too funny. <laughs> well, you know, it works once, but it happens a lot in the movie. There's like a lot of jokes around, like, it's just based on people sort of cutaways to people being like, oh my God, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But still. I liked it. It's, it's very funny. charming. I, mean, I, the kid, I think the kid is, is she taking some acting lessons or something? Maybe she's just a bit older, but yeah, the, kid's the kid's great in this movie. Yeah, well, His like, daughter is I like really the funny. sort of extended family of Scott Lang. And I guess it keeps on getting bigger, and like everyone's like sort of nice and like a bit bickering, and it just works. Like like Judy Greer and Bobby Cannavale as uh, the mother of his kid and like his uh, and the stepdad. Yeah, yeah. They've got a few scenes, but they're like they're hilarious. Like, it does have the successful comedy element of like sort of one note, but very funny supporting characters. Yeah. Bobby Cannavale's only joke is that he loves like Scott and wants to hug him all the time, and that's <laughs> really funny. He's just a very na- naturally funny guy. Yeah. Um, and Judy Greer also gets a very funny line. And yeah, I found it pretty yeah, charming. And, uh, uh, but is it Randall's... Randall Park? Yeah, as uh, the sort of FBI guy. Well, like I think maybe that's sort of like his casting is indicative of the film's ambitions. Is like the sort of suit character <laughs> is just like this very adept comic actor. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I think I was I was wondering if he was doing a bit of ad libbing, which he probably was. Yeah. But it was funny. I was laughing at yeah. Randall Park is also very enjoyable. In the roster of like amusing sort of comedy marvel movies i would say it's probably not as funny as thor ragnarok yeah which i think is still probably setting the high bar for marvel laughs but uh yeah i would definitely recommend it as like you know loose blockbuster entertainment yeah it goes down easy goes down goes down real easy your money's worth yeah absolutely in these troubled times he really wants to like you know think and care about stuff you just want to be amused <laughs> I think I think exactly <laughs> just want to be delighted just, be, you know, just want sure. it to pass the time I, I, I do think that um, the, the central mechanism of the film I just have a lot of time for I, I'd like to see the small things come, become big and the big things become small how, how are they going to top it you know yeah they have to do this is going to have to be pretty mental next time but well, who knows who knows my favourite film stars Bridget Bardo. She's the queen and she wants to be in radio So she starts a podcast with her friends And the terrorists try to stop her but she beats them in the end so Sam, you were displeased with my review of <laughs> Mission Impossible And you've got your own thoughts and opinions I mean, I haven't edited that yet But I hear you've seen it now I've seen it um, yeah. Well, I don't I just wanted to have my two cents. It's not uh, just well, your you missed, podcast, you missed Danny. Your fucking yeah, chance. well, you saw it during the day on the day it came out, yeah. and I was at work. I well, didn't have a I'm chance. Sorry. I'm sorry you work for the fucking man. <laughs> <laughs> I freed myself in these capitalist chains. All right, well. By, by buying a cinema ticket. I just wanted to say, because I feel like there's going to be a lot of people out there who would have listened to your review of Mission Impossible Fallout, which was lukewarm at best, and then they will have seen the film, and they would have really enjoyed it and they'd be like film chat they're out of touch what are they talking about <laughs> so i just this one goes out to you guys i thought it was good really thoroughly enjoyed it i mean I actually basically agree with your assessment of the film but i just want to put it in a more positive tones <laughs> you know just i feel like it should be delivered in a more upbeat way you're basically saying like you know it doesn't really add up to anything and it's just an excuse to do stunts but the stunts are good that is correct. But the stunts are really good. <laughs> so the phrase you're looking for was really good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I think you did not do enough justice to the quality of the stunt work, which I thought was really excellent. And I also thought there was like a lot of creativity in how they did 
the various sequences. It was all very satisfyingly escalated and um, had a lot of like, you know, angles on it. And I, I was there was some video that I watched where they were saying that like the the process that they have for these movies is basically to work out what stunts they want to do first and then build the plot around it, which is very obvious when you watch the film. Uh, especially with that hilarious thing of like them needing to parachute into France for literally no reason whatsoever. Um, but uh, you know, it's just a. I mean, that sequence is probably like feels like the most contrived one, and so it's not quite as like you know a gripping as I feel it ought to be because it is pretty impressive as it features Tom Cruise really diving out of a plane and the cameraman really diving out of the plane to film him doing so. Um, and it's all done in some sort of like not quite one shot, but it sort of looks like a one shot thing, and it is very cool um but uh i was think one thing that did impress me about it is how good the final sequence is i feel like often when these movies move into um just sort of wrapping up the plot territory the, all the most spectacular stuff the trailer stuff has kind of been exhausted by that point and it's like they just do a bit of something like john wick for example like the end of that movie where you've seen all the really the most spectacular stuff and then it kind of goes small from right at the end and it feels like it's just like getting it over with basically mm. whereas the conclusion of um th this film uh, which is a sort of face-off between uh, Cruz and like one of the main uh, antagonists of the film, um, reminded me a bit of uh, Wild Tales. You remember that Argentinian anthology film yeah. about revenge? And uh, there's one of the stories in it, uh, which is just these two guys um, on the motorway who get into this ridiculously escalating fight over like <laughs> annoying each other. There's like, one guy in a fancy car and one guy in a really beat-up car, and they kind of start off just irritating each other and then like it just goes escalates ridiculously until they're sort of setting fire to each other each other's cars and trying to kill each other and stuff and uh the the, the final sequence of this film i thought had a sort of similar pleasure to it where it just kept being be more brutal and punishing for the two guys and it was sort of seeing where it was gonna you know push it to next um and i just thought it was very well staged and uh you know good good sort of helicopter action in my opinion so i would recommend the film quite a bit okay <laughs> i'll give it an extra half star from your outrageously mean-spirited review whatever i don't care i don't give a fuck okay i'm not just some guy who gives out half a star because i'm you know, <laughs> willy-nilly I'm I'm <laughs> you're just harder to please than me i'm just a child and i like fancy you know like action well i'm uh i'm, a, I'm an adult i'm a grown-ass man and uh i'm not you know you gotta wine and dine me if you want me to give you half a star <coughs> can't just be like oh but he was really in a helicopter i didn't find the helicopter stuff that impressive am i weird I, well, the thing the thing that I liked about it was the fact that he gets into the helicopter and doesn't know how to he doesn't know how to yeah. fly one and I enjoyed all this stuff where he's like looking at the controls and being like okay this is the altitude like this like this must be the fuel like how, what do I do this I thought that was an example of something which is probably like far more complicated to do than to look at yeah. like flying a helicopter must, it's probably insanely difficult but it's like not that impressive as someone like you know jumping off a bridge or whatever it's, no I know it's, what you it's mean it's more relatable if it's a bit more grounded as like Maybe if I go to helicopter school, I'll watch the movie again. I'll be like, oh my god, I can't believe what he did. But uh, yeah, I liked, it. I, liked it. I liked it. I liked it. Why am I defending my own opinion? That's all right. You don't have to. I think we'll, I think like what we will agree on, though, is that much better than Mission Impossible Fallout, uh, the action movie of the year is going to be Venom. Yeah. We've talked a bit about Venom before. Oh, yeah. Big time. 
Um, we really enjoyed the first trailer. Now, uh, there's actually the well, the teaser trailer that was very good with that no that had no venom in it. Yeah, no venom. Then the trailer came out that had some venom in it. Not much to be honest. Disappointing, but there was some venom. I was kind of hoping it would go straight. There still to be no venom. No venom. Yeah, it was a shame. They they sort of bowed to I guess public pressure to put some venom in it. So there's venom in that one, but not much. Now the second trailer came out. There's a lot of venom in yeah. this trailer. There's like venom from the start. He's appears throughout. They polished off some of those venom effects. Tom Hardy's been drinking, I think. His uh, his acting decision has been like a sort of drunk Bostonian. I don't know. Well, as with every film starring Tom Hardy, the best thing about it is the voice Tom Hardy chooses to do. And this is this film, they obviously hired him and were like, just do an American accent. You're playing an American. And he's like, no, are you kidding me? It's got to be the most weird fucking American voice you've ever heard in your is life. He's supposed to be in New, New York, right? He's like a contemporary of Spider-Man, right? So he's from this... Or but I don't think it's set. Isn't it set in San Francisco or something? Don't oh, they right. want to get it out of the Spidey verse? Right, right, right. Sony is continuing so to like... make their Spider-Man films, but like not without Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. They, they're also planning a uh, Craven the Hunter film. Are you familiar with the character of Craven the Hunter? Nope. He was in the um, Spider-Man animated series in the nineties. He's like a kind of you know colonial hunter man, but he's like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he's in the big. He's like in the concrete jungle, you know, hunting the biggest prey of all, Spider-Man. Sure. I mean, as Born Legacy proves, you can just have a franchise about the main star. <laughs> it's just a, it's a knockout. Doesn't need, doesn't need the uh, That's most the famous best Born movie character out of the yeah. five they've made. Born Legacy. Born Legacy, is everyone agrees. Aaron yeah. Cross is a billion times the hero Jason Bourne ever was. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I think this is this is this is going to be a standout um, entry in the Spider. This is going to be the best Spider-Man film. Yeah. Mainly because Spider-Man won't be in it. Uh, but I just, yeah, it's, it's Tom Hardy's kind of, uh, like, he does sound a bit like, he sort of slurs his words, he's, like, a bit drunk all the time. Uh, so, um, uh, I think I'm going to try to work on this, because I want to nail it. Like, the way that everyone was doing Bane after the Dark Knight Rises thing, I really want to nail, like, Eddie, the Eddie Brock. It's going to be as iconic. Kind of voice, yeah. Good night, Mrs. Chen. Oh, I just, I've got a parasite, and I don't mind me. Good night, Mrs. Chen. That's, I'm trying to, wow. I think I'm still working on it. That's what I got so far. Oh, I have a parasite. Yeah. Name is Chen. He is one of the actors who has been in a DC-based movie and a Marvel-based movie, right? They're a growing list. Him, J.K. Simmons, and... That's uh, true, yes. That guy, the Russian guy from Ant-Man. He was in The Dark Knight. Oh, was he? Who was he? He was the guy that Harvey Dent was going to kill, and then Batman was like... You can't kill him because you're good. Oh yeah, okay. I yeah. think that was the line. <laughs> yeah, well, that's an important. That's a good category. We save that one up for some future trivia quiz or something. Yes, we will. Oh, that siren that you're hearing outside is the police coming to arrest us. So I think we're going to have to draw the podcast to you a close. Flee for our lives. <laughs> Join us next week. We'll be reviewing more films. I don't know what's out. Ant Man the Wasp was like the last blockbuster, right? For a while. I When's think Aquaman it, coming out. Well, there's no point good. in making them after this. That yeah. was the best one. That was the best one. Shut up shop. No more blockbusters. Don't need them. Cut. Um, yeah. Going to see some films. Going to see some films, folks. Absolutely, we'll see them and we'll be reviewing them right here. See you then. Goodbye. Bye. There's this uh, tweet, and you may or may not have seen it, about the explanation as to why Ant-Man was not an Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? I don't. Okay, I'm going to show it to you there. You read this out loud? Could you give us a read of it yeah. and then give me your initial thoughts? Uh, Marvel saw the post about how Ant-Man 
could defeat Thanos by crawling into his ass and instantly growing in size, and that's why they didn't put him in the movie. Send tweet. Um, Any thoughts? I mean, do you think, I mean, you're a credited screenwriter on this. Is that why Ant-Man was not in Infinity War? Is that why you were in this? Any thoughts? Right, and then grow real big. Uh, it would work, wouldn't it? I don't know. I don't know. I think he can grow 65 feet. It's true, but I almost think it's a question for Thanos. Right? Josh Brolin? Yeah. Uh, or the character, because, because uh, if there's one thing we learned from uh, Infinity War is mm -hmm. that Thanos can, he could take a lot of punishment. Right. And, uh, and so, you know, yeah. Now I'm, now I'm, now my mind is racing. Now the with pr probability gauntlet and a, right. I mean, yeah. You gotta wonder, like you do. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's an interesting. It's an. It's an. <laughs> it's an interesting tweet, and uh, and um, well, who knows? I, I don't know. I, I don't even think that made it into any of the drafts. I mean, you're a screenwriter. I mean, surely you know you got to think of the logic of the story and the plot. I mean, yeah. That would have in you story do conferences. Have, you do have to think about the rating. Sure. Uh, but uh, it, it, I wasn't even around. I wasn't even around in the thing to, to even uh, test out the theory. Right. I mean, if you could pitch the story to Joe and Anthony Russo and be like, look, guys. Guys, guys, I read this tweet. Let me tell you all about it. I know. Uh, we I know, open on. Look, I know we're always revising, we're always improvising. Try it. You never know what's going to work. Right. Why? Let's, you know, why not? Uh, you think Josh Brolin would be up for that? I would never want to ask him. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.